Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into Up in the Rafters, a podcast brought to you this basketball season by our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt, co-hosting this. I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this year I'm joined by a national champion, the most outstanding player of the Final Four, Carolina basketball legend, the ACC's network, Joel Berry. I just thought of this when I when I was doing that intro. Do you ever get tired of hearing some of the accolades that come next to your name, or is it just like, yeah, I'm a national champion? I think I hear it so much now. Um, I'm kind of used to it, but it never it never gets old. Um, and I never wanted to get old because I feel like I'm getting <laughs> old, but I don't I don't ever want that to get old. <laughs> so for Carolina basketball this past week, only one game they lose to a really good UConn team in the Jimmy V Classic at Madison Square Garden. They lose 87 to 76, had their chances. UConn pulls away late. What were your biggest takeaways from watching that game? It was one, it was a really good game. I thought it was a high level, um, two well-coached teams, uh, two teams that came in with a good good, uh, scouting report on each other. Um, and I thought it was, I just thought it was a, a highly played game. And I thought that for, you know, for Carolina, um, there were a lot of things that, uh, like mistakes that they've made that, you know, easily could be fixed, um, which is why I'm not concerned about this team moving forward. Um, and UConn is a team that just previously won the national championship. Um, and you knew that it was going to be a really, uh, tough battle, um and they came in well prepared and I thought it was a really really good game I enjoyed watching every bit of it um and I thought that UConn in the way that they played uh just was was masterful in the way that they uh that they ran their offense yeah I was at the game and I it it had the feeling of like a a regional final type tournament game Mm -hmm. with the intensity that that both teams were bringing and yeah UConn their, their half-court offense, really good. I don't think it, it really mattered that Carolina got some of their best players in foul trouble. I think Carolina did a good job on the offensive end uh, for a majority of that game, attacking UConn's best players and, and getting uh, Newton and the big on the bench in foul trouble. But the UConn offense in the half-court, it seemed like they were really able to take, 
take advantage of Carolina switching defensively. What did you see from UConn in, in their half-court offense and uh, some of the struggles that Carolina had defensively? Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, that's what it was. I thought that uh, uh, UConn did a great job of um, coming in in this game, kind of knowing that Carolina would switch one through four, especially off the ball. Um, and previously against Kansas, UConn, just, you know, they had just went up against that. So I thought they did a great job of being able to um, just really uh, take advantage of those switches and uh they dissected the scouting report well um and their offense was dizzying to where it was just like you know guys coming off of curls guys coming off a of, uh, dribble handoffs you have a screen um and sometimes I, I felt like i saw harrison ingram one time he was like he was literally in the middle of the court but he looked like like a hamster on a wheel he was like this and then pointing this way and pointing that way. And it was so many screens. And I thought that kind of, you know, as the game progressed, I thought that really um, hurt Carolina and just having to guard so many actions. Um, I thought that was one thing that, that was one thing that stood out to me. But uh, UConn, you know, you got to give the hats off to them. They they saw what Carolina was doing early on and they just adjusted and they got a lot of backdoor cuts, a lot of easy baskets going against those switches. For Carolina defensively, how how fixable do you think some of those issues are? Because it, it feels like a, a I don't think teams are going to be able to run their offense, their half court offense, to the success that UConn has with yeah. that quality of players. But in, in some sense, like football, it is a, a copycat type sport where if one team sees your your weaknesses, they're they're going to know where to attack you in, in that next scouting report. So. I guess, how fixable are some of these defensive issues for Carolina and where do you see that improvement coming from if they can? Yeah, they are fixable. Um, I just think like when you, when you're switching, it can, it, it's so easy to be lazy um, and to start pointing. And that's why a lot of coaches, they emphasize switching, contact switching, like making sure that you're coming, you know, your man is, you know, man to man before you just start pointing saying, Hey, switch, switch, switch. And I thought a couple of times Carolina got lost because they were expecting a switch, but it wasn't a it wasn't a contact switch. It was just like pointing, saying, hey, switch. And then next thing you know, two was on the ball. And then UConn was playing from an advantage from that point. Um, so it's just making sure that you're not being lazy um, on those switches. And so it's fixable. It, you know, and that's fixed. You know, you have to do that in practice. Um, and just putting the emphasis on making sure we're contact switching, not just pointing and, and assuming that we're getting ready to switch. So that's why I, it's not a huge concern, but you just don't want that to trickle along through the season. You know, you are your habits. So you want to build those habits and make sure that you are not getting lazy when it comes down to switching. Carolina, it felt like at one point UConn was going to pull away. And then Carolina fights back. They get it to like within four or five. And then from, from that point on, they just couldn't hit the necessary shots. I, I think at one point they missed 14 of their last uh, 16 shots yeah. during that stretch. And, and UConn goes on a run, pulls away, and, and wins pretty comfortably. But the final score I don't really think was indicative of how, how close that game is. And one of the areas that we've talked about is how the bench usage has been getting better for Carolina. And you're seeing uh, more trust in some guys, but 
this was kind of a game where they go back to that old mentality of these guys are going to play a, a majority of the minutes where you have R.J. Davis at 38, Armando Baycott at 34, and, and Harrison Ingram also at 38. How much of Carolina's lack of shot making in, in that second half do you think was fatigue and, and guys just kind of getting run down by the game? Yeah, I think that had a that had something to do with it. Um, I mean, they like you said, they came out in the second half and hit early. Armando got that AM one, got to the free throw line. Um, and then after that, UConn came down, hit a three, then they hit another three, um, and they just kept the ball rolling. But um, as I mentioned early, you know, when you're going against those teams that are just effective in the half court and you know, cut hard and they, um, you know, just in, in their half court offense, you know, that tires out your legs a little bit. And when you get to the offensive end, it's like, you know, you're trying to get that, trying to get that burst, but you just don't get it. Um, and it looked like Carolina at times was ready to get going, but then, you know, you go down and you have to play against that offense. You have to play against those cuts. Um, you know, if we look at particular players like Armando, man, I, I, I kind of, he, it, it was a tough game for him because you talk about the bigs that UConn had. They had Donovan Klingen, which is like a very physical, you know, not very athletic, but just a guy that can, you know, is tall, keeps his body on you. And then you bring in a guy like Samson who can <laughs> jump out the gym. So he was like constantly having to go from physical to finesse, physical to finesse. And like that's, you know, that tires you out a little bit. So I thought that Carolina through stretches of the game, uh, UConn took advantage of them being able to run their offense and um, and just really get the get the legs of uh, the guys tired. So um, yeah, that I think that was a huge factor um, on the offensive end for Carolina. Yeah, Baycott with only two points in the second half, and really yeah. UConn was did a great job at taking him out of his rhythm, and he he never really looked too comfortable in that game with all the looks that they were throwing at him and. I, I think an, another person that the fans are are waiting to see get going, who was a, a streaky shooter at times at Notre Dame, Cormac Ryan, he goes 0 for 6 from 3 in this game. And uh, a few of the threes that he that he did take were in that situation where Carolina's cutting it to 4 or 5 and they need that next shot to kind of get them over the hump. Where's your, your level of concern with somebody like Cormac Ryan? And how does – if from not a media perspective, if you're in that locker room, how do you give him that confidence to be like, hey, your shot's eventually going to start falling because of the work that you know you put in? Yeah, it's uh, one of those, you know, situations that's tough because you want to, you know, you, you know, as a player, you get emotional, especially when you're a Cormac Ryan, when you know you can knock down shots, right? Um, so you have to just continue to encourage him and, and let him know like, Hey, we need you to shoot the ball. Um, but I, 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 the thing about him is that he's more than just shooting. Um, you know, the, what, what he brings defensively um, impacts the game. And uh, I just think that, you know, you just have to keep encouraging him. Like I think about, I think back to the times where I didn't shoot the ball. Well, like I had guys in my ear telling me like, you know, saying it in a way that was like joking, like, dude, you need to knock down some shots. What's going on? But in a way that was like encouraging me to like, hey, you're an important part of our team. We need you to hit shots, but we don't need you to stop shooting. So just keep shooting. 
Um, and so this is just like a mental thing that Cormac has to get over. Um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not concerned. And this is something that, you know, we have to have the patience with because these guys are coming into these programs, transferring, you know, learning the new systems, learning when and where to take shots. And I still think that he's still trying to find that. Um, and the last thing that you want to do is try to force the issue and do it in a way that hurts the team. Um, so he just needs to continue to find those high quality shots until you have those times where, you know, like in the course of the game where you hit two or three and now you just need to do a heat check. Um, like that's coming. But right now in the in this slump that he's having, um, it's just about continuing to uh, take the shots that are high quality and just don't try to force the issue. But keep showing up and doing those other intangibles, which he has, especially on the defensive end. And a few bright spots for Carolina um, because, yeah, it's a it's a, a tough loss to a really good UConn team. I, I think some things that you can take away, R.J. Davis and Harrison Ingram on the offensive end. R.J. Davis shoots 47% from the field, 50% from three. Playing back in New York, he, he feels like a player who, who wants the shots in the big moments, which is – you know, a, a great thing to have. And then Harrison Ingram is is another guy who I think has a similar mindset of wanting to be the guy for this offense. And, you know, he, he looks good in these ISO situations. He looks good uh, backing people down. What did you see in the UConn game from Davis and Ingram specifically on how they could kind of help out this Carolina team offensively reach their full potential? Yeah, man, Taylor, I got to say, I love Ingram, man. I, I really do. I love his game, the versatility that he brings. Um, like just being able to have it to where if he's doing a dribble drive and doesn't have it and then can create like a another play, like within a play by being able to post up. Um, I, I just think that is something that, that you don't see too often. Um, and he does a really good job at it. Like there are guys who can do it. But it's one diff it's a difference between being able to do it and actually being able to execute it. <laughs> and he can execute it. I, I just really thought that like when he had it going, I would have I, I just would have kept giving them the ball because they couldn't stop him. Like Alex Caravan could not stop Harrison Ingram in the post. And I thought that they shot away from it a little bit. And I would have just kept going to it until UConn had to adjust. Um, and so I, I wanted him to get the ball a little bit more, but those two guys, man, when you talk about game in, game out, um, having reliable offense, you know, I think it's, it is it, something that, uh, that Carolina can rely on each and every game, knowing those two guys can be an offensive outlet and know that they're consistent enough to be able to do it day in and day out. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to, have an offense when you don't know when you're when like when the, where the scoring is coming from or is this guy going to be on tonight or not um but those guys have consistently showed up in every single game Harrison Ingram has shot you know or scored in double figures in every game um you know those are the two guys that will continue to lead this team but I I really want to see Harrison Ingram when he has it going just continuing to feed him the ball and allow and make the defense adjust to him being able to back down yeah, I, I love Ingram's game and, and what he's brought so far to Carolina during this early part of the season. And then with somebody like R.J. Davis, you look at the offensive output he's had 
during this recent stretch of games, five straight games of 20 plus points where 23 against Villanova, 30 against Arkansas, 27 and 27, Ball. Florida State and Tennessee. And then the UConn game, he he scores 26 points. You watch a, a ton of ACC basketball at the ACC network. Where do you think Davis fits in, in the landscape of like the, the ACC player of the year? I know we really haven't even gotten into the conference play yet, but is there is there like a clear favorite, or do you think by the time the end of the year comes, Davis will have himself in that conversation? Oh yeah, by by far he will have himself in that conversation. You know, the season has its ebbs and its flows. Um, you know, he'll have some games where it'll be tough. Um, that's just part of basketball. It is, and it's part of uh, being a player. You know, especially when you get midway through the season and those legs start getting a little tired. Um, it'll happen, but you talk about right now, man, he's, you know, the only other person that I can think of and put up there is PJ Hall. Um, obviously that team is balling right now with, uh, with being undefeated in Clemson, but outside of that, man, I'll have RJ right up there. I mean, what he's doing, what he's doing right now is like, when you talk about a guy taking that next step and this is what get fans this is what gets fans so excited and wanting guys to stay at programs because you see the development, right? So we've been watching him. We know the, the amount of work he's put in. We've seen him struggle. And now look at what he's doing. Like we're seeing the fruits of his labor and he is playing by far, um, if not, you know, not only the best in the, in the ACC, but in the country right now, I think he's one of the hottest guards. Um, and He's doing it on all three levels. Um, he's doing it under control. And most most importantly, because of the weapons that he has around him, he's doing it efficiently. Yeah, and uh, this stat from Adrian Atkinson in four tier A games. So um, Villanova, Arkansas, Tennessee, and UConn, UNC has scored 1.23 points per possession with R.J. Davis on the floor. And without him, with him on the bench, it goes to 0.81 points per possession and kind of makes oh, wow. sense and, and and backs up the eye test for how good this Carolina team is with Davis on the floor. And this other stat I have, uh, another R.J. Davis stat. This one's from Opta Stats. R.J. Davis has scored at least 25 points and gone five for five or better from the free throw line in four straight games. Tied for the longest streak by a D1 player this century, Steph Curry, 2008. That's that. And that's funny. I had the same thing written down. And you know, I like, I kind of, I know what a decade is. And I was like, okay, let me go see what a century is. A hundred years? <laughs> Come on, man. That's, that. I mean, in a nutshell, man, that's how, that's like how impressive he has been. But have have they been tracking stats for a hundred years? I mean, they, they at some point I I think they had to start tracking stats. So maybe when I don't know, I don't know. Since they've been tracking stats, I guess it's, that is, it's RJ that Davis is crazy, and, man. And Steph Curry. It, <laughs> you do have to get a little specific, I think, to to yeah. tinker with some of these numbers, like the twenty five points or five for five or better. I wonder how many players, you know met the four for four mark but but not right. the five for five and you try to tell a story with with your stats but um regardless it, it, regardless a, yeah, yeah regardless rj davis <laughs> is, is playing at, at another level right now and 
I think bet- between him and and Harrison Ingram, one of the things that was so encouraging um, from my perspective when I was at Madison Square Garden and, and I could see the team and and how they're reacting to certain situations, there was a moment where it felt like this game was going to get away from Carolina, but they fought. They they managed to get it to just five points at halftime. They managed to stay in this game in, in the second half against a, a UConn team that looked every bit the part of a team coming off a national title, looking mm-hmm. to defend their national title. What can you take away from the fight that this Carolina team showed and, and the heart that they kind of displayed and trying to show everybody that th- this is Carolina basketball and maybe not what they put out on the floor uh, last year. Right. Uh, you know, when I, when I think about losing, obviously you don't want to lose, but you know, part of being in sport, um, you will lose, you'll lose eventually. But you know, after you think about the loss, now you have to ask the question like, or not even ask the question, but you have to look at like how you lost. Um, I think that's a big part of it. And seeing this Carolina team lose the way that they lost, that's what gives me encouragement. And that's what I'm looking at. It's like, they didn't just fold. Like, and this just wasn't a team. Like we're talking about a team, as we said earlier, that just won a national championship. They're coming off of playing Kansas. And now they're coming into playing Carolina where they just played against a team that did the same exact thing Carolina did defensively like Dan Hurley is a basketball lifer um and the dude approaches the game with tenacity uh and you see it on the sideline like this just wasn't you know a rinky dink team this was one of the top teams in the country and when you look at when you want to know where you are this is the type of team that you want to go against um and so the fight that I saw the way that they were able to bounce back from possessions where there was a mistake and not let it compound. I thought that was very encouraging. Um, and they just never gave up. They continued to battle. They continued to fight. That's what I love about Harrison Ingram. I feel like he has a dog in him. And I just feel like everyone on this team has something to prove in their own way, shape, or form. And everyone is playing with a chip on their shoulder. Um, so I look at this from, obviously, you want to win this game. We Everyone wanted Carolina to win this game, but then you have to take the next step and look at, okay, how did we lose? They didn't lose by folding. They won. They lost by fighting. And now they can go back to the, the tape and get ready for a really good Kentucky team. Um, but I just was so encouraged by the way that they continue to fight, to your point, throughout the game. Quick break to remind everybody about our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill, you could visit Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street. If you're not, you could visit them at johnnytshirt.com. With the holidays approaching, they have their 12 deals of Christmas. They always have great deals, great people, great customer service. They could have everything. They have everything that the Carolina basketball fan could possibly want this holiday season for either yourself or, or for that Carolina fan in your life. And don't forget, Inside Carolina premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. Joel, the the sample size now for this Carolina basketball season, we're we're up to nine games. You could start to see how how a a team's identity is shaping and forming. How would you assess where this team is now and how much they have grown since the season opener? Oh, they've they've grown a lot. I I feel like uh, they're starting to understand each other. 
Um, I think guys are starting to understand their roles, um, which is uh, a huge, huge thing when you talk about a team because you have to know um, when you're getting out on out on the court what it is that you need to do. But it goes even further than that. You have to also know what your coaches are asking of your teammates so that you can hold them accountable. Um, and I just think that they're 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 starting to gel together. Um, the only thing is offensively they're 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 really good i think they can score in a multitude of ways um they have guys who can score on all three levels um you know you got the inside presence you got the outside presence but i think the the difference for this team will be defense um i think they'll go as far as their defense will take them because as i said they can score with the best of the teams but you know defense is where they have to hone in i think right now they're seven uh in offensive efficiency per, on Kim Palm and then they're 49th defensively now it's not saying that you have to be you know top 10 in both categories but um I just feel that uh at times they can get a little a little lazy on the defensive side of the ball um and so if they can clean up some stuff on the defensive end Man, I think this team, uh, they have the best basketball ahead of them. But uh, I just love seeing the continuity um, and the way that guys are stepping up and playing to their roles and taking that next step in their progression in their careers. Yeah, I was going to ask what what areas of growth you want to see Carolina uh, take on, but I, I think we hit on it. It, it. It's defense and, you know, the that defensive rating that's in the 40s. Most national contenders, I, I think – um, I don't know where I saw the stat, but most national contenders are at least top 15 offense and defense. And that's that's normally a pretty good indicator going into a tournament, which teams are going to be the ones competing and, and being the last team standing. Uh, the teams that can win on, on both ends of the floor when when teams are able to scout you and, and take you out of some of the things that you're going to and, and what you can kind of lean on. Before we wrap up, a big shout out to our friends at Congruity. Congruity is a North Carolina-based national coverage local presence company with personal support straight from the Tar Heel State. Congruity is empowering small and mid-sized business owners with HR and payroll outsourcing, enabling you to grow your business while they take care of your greatest assets, your people. And they are doing it with top-of-the-line technology and services for every stage of your business's growth with a state-of-the-art online platform. Congruity, they are obsessed with customer service where they become part of your team. They do the heavy lifting, providing essential admin support with a single point of contact and support available on demand with services that are tailor-made for you, transforming your organization. Congruity has helped hundreds of businesses improve and enhance their day-to-day -day lives, level up your HR capabilities, save money, unlock game-changing growth. Visit congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels to learn all about Congruity. Fill a quick form to be connected to their consultants, and they'll give Inside Carolina listeners or viewers a payroll and HR assessment for free. That's congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels, congruityhr.com, backslash Tar Heels. All right, back to the episode. Next up for Carolina, we talked about it uh, after the Tennessee game, how 
you don't really have time to to pat yourself on the back because the <laughs> schedule the schedule is brutal for non-conference games. Carolina in action on Saturday against the number 14 team in the country, Kentucky, another of a fellow blue blood program. How does Carolina match up with this Kentucky team for, for the people that haven't really gotten the chance to watch Kentucky this year? Yeah, I think guard wise. Um, well, first off, overall, I think Kentucky is a lot bigger than Carolina, um, especially with, uh, with the guards. Um, with if you have Elliott and RJ at the one and two, um, really from three, four, and five, I think they match up pretty well size wise. But um, I think this is this is going to be a really fast paced game. The game that I think about is when we play uh, Kentucky and Vegas. Um, I think it'll be another one of those type of games where it's up and down, um, high pace, and and a lot of scoring. Um, but I think I think. Carolina matches up well with Kentucky, but like I said, Kentucky has a little bit more size. Um, I think uh, throughout the team, they have a little bit more athleticism. Um, and then Kentucky does have two, two really good guys coming off of the bench will, you know, which will make a huge difference with Kentucky. But I think overall, both of these teams match up in uh, pretty well in their own ways. Yeah. And I, I saw a stat, where um, one of the one of the main differences between the Roy Williams era of Carolina basketball and the Hubert Davis era of Carolina basketball, it's that under Hubert Davis, this team doesn't really generate a, a ton of uh, takeaways or a ton of turnovers. And the the first two years, they were three fifty six and, and three forty fourth in turnover rate. This one, it, it's slightly better, two hundred and thirty eighth. Uh, as of Sunday afternoon, but, you know, still not really doing a, a good job turning the ball over for other teams. And you have a team like Kentucky next on the schedule, who is one of the best teams in the country at not turning the ball over. If you're, if you're this Carolina team, how can you emphasize the turnovers and getting out in transition the way that, you know, your teams under Roy Williams, that that's what you guys made like, your bread and butter on how, how well you guys were able to run the floor. Yeah, I think defensively, uh, Coach Davis's principles are a little bit different than ours. We were up in the passing lane trying to stop uh, stop the rotation of the basketball. Um, so that does play a difference right now. It's, it, it seems like they're more, you know, guarded, guard right at the three-point line, you know, not necessarily up in the lanes. You, I, I think the only – time they get up in the lane is if someone picks up the ball and obviously you want to put pressure, make it haywire and make sure that they're not just able to deliver a good pass. Um, but I just think more, they're just, you know, contain and guard and make sure that we're not getting beat off the dribble. Cause you know, when you're up in the passing lane, that does give you an opportunity to have more backdoor cuts. Um, you know, sometimes you overplay, but I think, you know, for this, Going up against Kentucky, I think the best thing that you can do is uh, make them play in the half court because it's still a young team. Um, and sometimes it's hard for young players to trust the execution of the offense. And, you know, against that Miami team, they got out on the break, man. And they're, they're, they're really, really good in the open court. Like the athleticism comes into play. 
Um, you know, they have a guard. I was talking about Rob, Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard coming off the bench. Those guys can get up and down. Um, so I think the one thing that Carolina can do um, is limit live ball turnovers um, and just keep Kentucky in the half court, make them trust in their in their uh, their execution, which I think can play in the hands of Carolina and be advantageous for them. Another big game. Kentucky, North Carolina, Battle of the Blue Bloods in the CBS Sports Classic this Saturday, 5.30 p.m. tip Eastern time on CBS. Joel, another great episode. Appreciate the time talking and appreciate everybody watching and listening. Yes, sir. Always. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.